0: Dom Giordano on talk radio 1210 wphd
2: one of the stories for obvious reasons the human element versus even the big picture was the killing of now well posthumously a uh, temple police Sergeant Chris Fitzgerald and we've talked with Joel Fitzgerald the dad the whole family was on Fox and friends and I thought um The reason it was on nationally, it is such a moving story, but it involves big issues like the death penalty, like what's going on here in Philadelphia, like trying to talk to people about this job and how the whole family, and I know through personal experience, thank God we never had anything like this in the family, with cops in the family, that it is much different than any job out there that you never know what the outcome could be. And uh, seeing just, look, the murder of anyone, but particularly a police officer in a situation, is always heart-wrenching. But over this mindset, allegedly, of the kid from uh, Buckingham who allegedly did it, it just tears away, particularly, this is a family, as you know, with young children. And you may have seen over the course of time, the widow, Marissa Fitzgerald, the wife. And that part of it is almost that you want to look away, but you should not. You cannot, because this is what we face. And I commend the family for seeking the death penalty, because I believe it's not just about this case, it's about the entirety of trying to stop this lawlessness and protect all. Joining us here on the Dom show is Marissa Fitzgerald, officer of Sergeant Chris Fitzgerald's wife here on talk radio, 1210 Marissa. I don't think we've spoken before. Thank you for coming on and thank you for what I saw on Fox and friends.
3: No, thank you for having me. And you know, I just appreciate you giving us a voice for Christopher
2: Well, I know that uh, his anniversary of his birthday is coming up. How old would he have been this Wednesday? He would
3: have been 32.
2: And the kids now are how old?
3: Our oldest is 14. Our son is 12. Our other son is 10, and our youngest
2: is 8. Wow. So, Marissa, you know, as much as you can say, it's got to be incredibly painful how do you feel as that birthday approaches that you've been able to talk to the kids particularly the 8 year old i guess the others have some sense of understanding but the 8 year old particularly about what's happened here
3: um it's it's really heartbreaking to have conversations with your children um especially when we're celebrating his birthday and he's not here um our son armani he's uh, 10 and um, he's been talking about it a lot. And, you know, it crushes crushes your soul and it tears you apart when your child says he wants to get a cake and he wants to take it to the gravesite to sing happy birthday. It's like, what do you say? What do you say to that? How heartbreaking is that? That you have to take your four babies to a grave site and they have to sing happy birthday to their father yeah, in a way th- that we've never had to before.
2: I, I don't think any amount of people could tell you how to deal with that. Uh, it is impossible to imagine to, to give them that experience. You talked, uh, Marissa, and I think other family members, I'm not sure, maybe uh, Chris's dad, about seeing the uh, the guy from Buckingham who allegedly murdered Chris, and we believe he did, but allegedly until proven in court, and the word evil was used, and I think it is. But explain what you were seeing when you saw him in court at the uh, preliminary hearing.
3: I saw no remorse. I saw no sympathy. I saw cockiness, um, evil, just... How do you walk? How do you walk in to a hearing and you just no sympathy at all? You murdered a husband, a father, a son, and you show nothing whatsoever. Um, it, it's cold, just a cold individual, and I just, I just, to me, I, I will never understand it. Um, but evil is a term because that's what he is. He's evil. Um, I saw what he did. He knew what he was doing. And he made sure that my husband wasn't going to see another day.
2: Yes, that's the that's the added part of it. Uh, his dad, uh, Dr. Joel, said exactly what you're saying, Marissa, that he executed him. It's one thing that he shot him, but then he executed him. Um, why the death pen? Now, I, I will always be in favor of the death penalty. I've gotten to know people like Maureen Faulkner. I know your family a little bit, even though we haven't met. I've had dad on, et cetera, and I identify with it. And I understand completely that's what I would want. But there are people out there that say, well, what's the good of that? What, was this a family? How did you arrive at it that you, you wanted the death penalty?
3: So I have my um, mom, Pauline Fitzgerald, here with me, sitting with me. Um, we came together as a family because that, that is the law. It is when with a heinous crime such as this, he committed murder of a of a police officer. It's life or death. There there are aggravating factors. One is, of course, he killed a police officer. Second is, he was in the commission, the commission of a felony of a felony, mm-hmm. first degree felony. Exactly. After he after he shoots and kills my husband, he goes. He goes and then he commits another felony and he carjacks somebody else. You also have, he also has a gun and he's not supposed to. I'm pretty sure that that gun, that gun is illegal. And he's not of age to carry Mm
1: -hmm.
3: a weapon in the state of Pennsylvania. So when you look at this case, it's death or it's life without the possibility of parole.
2: Give me a sense if you can. And I realize, um, you know, I I don't want to press too much because every time that I see you in this, it's your husband. He's 32. I, I feel the same way with my wife. I don't know that I could go on. So I commend. I see the support you have for your family. But you're going on in a public way that's helping all of us. What's your estimation of Larry Krasner? Have you spoken with his office? You as the widow? What's going on with Krasner?
3: We spoke with Krasner. I want to say first ten days, maybe first ten days. I believe um, we discussed what we wanted. We discussed how we felt. I have not heard from Krasner since. Um, We did state that we wanted to meet with Krasner, and you know to see exactly you know what's going on. Um, He feels as though you know krasner has his opinion with the death penalty that's his opinion
2: um if, if i could if i could though did he express to your family or any family members did he he tell you something like well the death penalty is uh, not infallible did he give you because on this we have recordings we have all but admission we have the weapon we have the execution We know who did it. The only defense, I guess, is insanity, which isn't a defense, as you know, in this case. So there's no sense with the death penalty that we would be wrong. We have the wrong person. That's out. So did he give you any other reasons why? Because what he's done now, as I understand it, Marissa, he has said, well, that's a matter for the courts. And that's not true. He can recommend on this he could pursue the death penalty.
4: So he he told
3: us about his personal beliefs uh on the death penalty. That's 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 your personal belief. You should not be putting your personal beliefs before the law. Mm-hmm. That's just
4: what it is. So I, if I can interject for a quick second as yes, is calling yeah,
2: yeah, I'm yeah. mom. Yes, and a pleasure uh, to, so pleasure to meet question. you. Sorry it's under these circumstances, yes. but glad you're with us.
4: So he had his personal opinions. He told us about, you know, how he felt about it personally, then he also uh, mentioned the Deaf Review Board, which is a panel that is put together by himself, and then they review it. We know from experience that it is ultimately his decision, and so we had been in contact with the office trying to find out if they have convenient, we haven't heard anything to our understanding, they have not, but ultimately it is his decision.
2: Well, in this expression, though, uh, Mr. Fitzgerald, did did he give other what he has a moral uh, reason for not doing it? Because the fallibility argument is not true here. We know we have we know we have the perpetrator here. Right. Right. He
4: he talked about the difficulty of it. He talked about that years ago he was um, I believe he said he was actually a juror on a death penalty case. And so then he gave us his personal opinions and his personal beliefs. But my husband and I both are, we're career law enforcement officers. And when it comes to the law, you know, we separate our personal beliefs and our religious beliefs because we are a deeply religious family as Mm -hmm. well. And so we separate them and then we follow the law. And so that's all we want for Christopher. We want the biases out. We want the personal, uh, your your religious beliefs exactly out. And then we want this to go and be charged with the highest offense that you can be charged with because it is a capital offense. It is the highest charge you can have.
2: And when is the trial? When does the trial begin?
4: No date for the trial. The trial is far out. We are just getting to the preliminary, which was the week before this. It was on the 23rd. And so I believe there's um, a preliminary arraignment. And we understand that that's going to be a long process. However, we need to know now, and this is the time for him to decide whether it is going to be a death penalty case or not.
2: That's what that's what I'm getting at. And, and you would think uh, that he would get back to you, take his time, you know, he made it, talk to his people, bring you in <laughs> and then give you the reason why, rather than uh, try to get out of this by saying leaving that to the courts. I mean, th- this is uh, bordering on cow. Cal- well, to me, it's cow in, in addition to everything else. You have a right to know what he decides and he ought to make that decision. That's why you're D.A.
4: Right. Right. But it can't go to the courts unless he makes it a death case now. Then, you know, the governor down the line, if the defendant is found guilty, which we believe he will be found guilty, then the governor can decide what he's going to do as far as, you know, not signing the warrant for death. But we are only in the beginning stages. And so... He's not even, you know, making it a death case. He's not even answering us as far as that goes. Do it's you it's feel yours.
2: both you and your husband are law enforcement, religious family, and as you said, put that aside, follow what the law is. But do you also feel, I guess, my first instinct for my wife, let alone my kids, I can't even say it or think about this, how you feel, that it's my duty. It's my duty to him because mm-hmm. of what he put on the line and it's also hopefully doing something good that's going to protect other people by taking this route. Absolutely, um,
3: Christopher is is our hero. He put his life out on the line. He sat there and protect protected not only the the, the students of Temple University, but also the citizens of Philadelphia who reside in North Philly in that area. Exactly. Um, he worked hard. And, you know, spent time away from us to do his job. He was an amazing cop. Amazing cop. And for somebody to come into the city who doesn't even live here and comes and commits this heinous crime and then gets to go back to his privileged life, I, of course, you know, and, and commit it's, it's the gun violence. In the city of Philadelphia, it's 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 out of control, and of course we are Christopher's voice, and we want the correct justice for Christopher.
2: Absolutely, as do we, Fitzgeralds. You're a remarkable family, Marissa. Thank you very much. I I hope the birthday for your kids gives them some sense of connection with the dad. It's unbearable, but uh, thank you and thanks thanks to all of you for what you're doing. Pauline, thank you, too, very much.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I hope to meet you guys sometime in the near future. Thank you.
3: And I you hope so as well, too. Thank you.
2: All right. There is Marissa and Pauline Fitzgerald here on Talk Radio 1210. Uh, again, uh, this idea with the I, I don't think we're serious with the death penalty. I heard their arguments, too. Uh, my Their arguments are more elevated than mine. Mine are pretty simple and they'll always be that way. I don't care who says what. I don't care what the pope says. I don't care whoever says it. And that is if you believe in life and you take a life under the guidelines of the particular state, in this case Pennsylvania, meeting the requirements of first degree murder. And I believe this is met here. That I don't care about any of the circumstances And I don't care who you killed, what their background is, whether they're a cop or not. But this is more serious. I don't care that you executed them. That does bring it to emotionally another level. It's one thing. You get the death penalty. That is unchangeable in my mind. It is the simplest thing imaginable. And I believe if we were doing it, and again, I come back to Josh Shapiro. Krasner is what he is. He's the ilk of the earth. And he represents the low point of Philadelphia. Let's face it; that's exactly what he represents. There is no fallibility, Josh Shapiro, in this case. It's all on tape. That there's nothing you can't skate by saying "innocent man" and all the rest of it. So let's talk facts. You are against the death penalty. You didn't tell people that you've always been that way, and it's not about a bunch of heinous or not heinous, and all these other things. It's about the principle of life. You take a life, you meet the first degree murder requirements, you get the death penalty. Why do we sit here? Why do we have so many members? I think this family is remarkable. Maureen Faulkner is remarkable. Because you have so many of these voices out there saying, well, that will not bring him back. It's not about that. It's about your duty. It's about your duty to someone who did something like this. And more broadly, it's about our duty to society. We couldn't prevent this, but we're offering it up to prevent others. And we're taking on these creeps like Krasner. (laughs) That it just are remarkable that we're imagine today a retail theft task force. How does the media report this stuff? I'm looking at NBC Dan's report, Dan, and there's no mention in there about the fact that the memo and the four hundred ninety five hours. Why are you this corrupt? I don't think you're this corrupt. I just think you're stupid. I think you're incompetent, too. I can't. Look, I know convenient with listeners. They're corrupt. It's a mainstream media. Some of them just don't connect the dots. They're just blasé. This is life and death with this guy. And here, once again, he's doing the same things, even worse. The narrative doesn't fit, does it, Larry? You can't play the race card here. You can't play the card that Josh Shapiro does. And I'm not going to go back to the son thing today because (laughs) I've said it too many times. It, It is just hiding behind your son. Anytime, Josh, anywhere. Want to put 10000 50000 whatever I can get Roe to commit to. And I think she would. I'll debate you. I'll debate you in Philadelphia in front of the mob. Because I think a lot of people in Philadelphia, in these neighborhoods that are under siege, I think they want the death penalty, too. I think they know what it's like to protect innocent lives. 855-839-1210 will get your reaction. I can't imagine, to. That's why I asked about the 8-year-old. And the birthday of the dad coming up. Imagine going to a gravesite to celebrate. What else can you do, though? How else can you connect? It's only been a short period of time, and you want to continue the image of the father who was heroic in the worst places in Philadelphia. And gunned down, I wouldn't understand it if someone, you know, the argument. Well, they had to rob somebody in order to get food or something. Now we got a punk from Buckingham coming into Philadelphia on a joyride along with mommy and daddy. That's what this case is. You can't write it. Where's the outrage? Everybody's outraged for a day or so. Then they start attacking that VP of public safety over at Temple who's not so good. I get that. That's all deflection, though. You don't want to face the problem in front of you. And that's progressivism. That's Krasner. That's not following the law. The law says this should be a death penalty case. And Marissa and Pauline both said it. And then if the governor won't sign it, well, that's the law. He has the ability to do that. But at least we ought to pretend to follow the law. If this, I guess the question would be this if this isn't a death penalty case, there is no such thing in Philadelphia. That's what Larry Krasner is telling you. That's what it comes to just say it. Just just let's hear it.
0: Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
2: Down to your Tano Show. Welcome in. So um, Billy Mag has uh, something that, uh, with all that's going on around transgender issues, males, gender fluidity, and female sports, Fight Like a Girl, the new wave of high school wrestling. Just three years after the founding of the first girls' high school wrestling team in Pennsylvania, nearly 200 squads now compete, making it the fastest-growing sport in the state. And the uh, writer Emily Goulet, uh talks about... Uh, Pensbury is one of the places that she went. And she talks about what females are gaining out of this. Uh, how popular it is, wildly popular, and to me, exactly the way this should play out. Now, is there enough of a group where you have a uh, combination gender fluidity, um, biologically male, preferring to play? I don't know, but that's uh, a third wing of this. But who who would have guessed it that years ago we talk about, look, you can't have females wrestling males. There's a lot of issues with that, particularly at the high school level. So they started their own. And as she documents, you have nearly 200 squads who now compete, fastest growing sport in the state. And this is the way to engage this versus the experimentation or Some kind of ridiculous situation where we have disputes constantly. We have unfairness toward women is one. It is the low-hanging fruit of all the battles over transgenderism. In other words, this ought to be out of bounds. It's overwhelmingly unpopular. You're not going to make it popular. There's an injury factor. There's a factor of just taking away from what women gain from sports. There's even a scholarship factor on occasion. And the numbers are still, to be fair, relatively small. But they're starting to gain, and they're starting to move forward. And this girls' league across the state, I think they're separate leagues, but she says there are nearly 200 squads now competing. Wow. And she has a picture of any number of these wrestlers. A lot of them are not huge or anything like that. Some of them are in the very uh, lower weight levels, 100 pounds, 110 pound levels. This is uh, a solution that's come out of this, that works. How much do you attribute this to a WWE?
5: I don't know about that. No, uh,
2: I don't think. I don't think these these uh, at least the girls that are wrestling. I wonder that it's WWE. I, I, I
5: say that because WWE's kind of taking a new approach right. towards women's right. wrestling and kind of tried legitimizing it, making you know main mm. events of WrestleMania being the women. And I, I wonder if it's working on the younger generation. Maybe
2: I think it's more they're actually into wrestling. Uh, you had enough. You had a critical mass of them that wanted to do it. I don't think there's, like, 25 of them. He's watching Greco-Roman
5: wrestling. Like, 12-year-old girls uh, are searching out,
2: you know, Olympic-style wrestling. Yeah. I'm looking at the motivation. The one guy, Craig Williams, who's the coach, uh, he talks about the fact um, that uh, it's something that's been brewing there, and uh, he says he has... um, Eleven teenage girls wow. that are involved in this, so that's great if they're for whatever their motivation, wherever they're doing it, the broader thing is this is the way to work these things out, give them the same facilities, give them the same play, and I think once there are a few groundbreaking girls that got involved, then it's incremental. I think this has been going on for a few years, and now it's reaching critical mass. So then why continue this whole nonsense? Because it's agenda. It's not anything that's going to come to anything good. And it's a losing issue politically. People are not going to abide this stuff. No matter how they couch it as transphobic or whatever. This is blossoming right in front of us. That there's an outlet here, a big league outlet. It's not like you have two or three girls doing it. You really can't have a league. There are nearly 200 squads, I think, yeah, in the state that she talks about here. That's quite a good number. All right, phone lines are 855-839-1210, AT&T and Verizon Wireless. All you have to do is just push pound 1210 and we'll get you in. Uh, Also, the idea, our side question today, the death of Carl Weathers. Hit us with a character so good that character would be worthy of his own series or his own film. Got some great ones on Twitter. Hit us with yours. And your reaction to the Fitzgeralds, who are almost a, uh, a textbook that you can't push back against, with Larry Krasner. Or, and the, the bottom line out of the interview is this. Go forward with it. It is a death penalty case. It's clear. There seems to be no danger here that you got the wrong person who did this. See if a jury would go for the death penalty. Are they going to buy an insanity argument or something else? And then if Josh Shapiro won't sign it, well, he has the legal right not to sign it. That's certainly within his capability as a governor. And then the Fitzgeralds can say what they think about that. And he can say what he thinks about it. But it's amazing that in a state like Pennsylvania, you see few, if any, death penalty cases now. The other side has chilled it by Shapiro saying he's not going to sign it. Then people give up the tough work of getting a death penalty conviction. In other words, they say, well, what good is it anyhow? They don't do their duty. The bottom line is the pressure has to be on them. And right now, it's not. It's not on Krasner. At least that I can tell, based on the media and everything else. It's not on Josh Shapiro. They're able to coast on this. Dr. Your Dan O's Show, uh, welcome in. So, President Trump, Jimmy Matthews, has hey. called, called the bluff of CBS. Now, what are they going to do? President Biden will not do the Super Bowl interview second year in a row. There's no law that says he has to, but he can't. <laughs> Even with CBS, he can't withstand this That's type of thing. a great baseball game we've got today. I mean, Obama, uh, President Obama did it with Bill O'Reilly. And O'Reilly told me, and you know, you feel like it's a president. You can only interrupt so much that Obama filibusters. Not... You know what's worse? When a president's style is not even that they're filibustering, it's just their style. And Obama, you give him one question during, what, they have 12 to 15 minutes. I don't know what it is ordinarily. It's an American tradition. He might go one question or two questions. So you really can't follow up. It's, It's a difficult thing. Well, Biden just can't do it. President Trump has said he'll do it then. Tag him in. And do the Super Bowl interview now. I'm not sure who's doing it for CBS. I don't know if they'd have to put Nora Donnell in there. I'm sure Gail King was positioning to do it. Sitting president. So um, yeah, why don't why don't you put President Trump in? And what it underlines again is that Trump has done any number of these interviews. All right, he's done them, and he's he's gotten caught up in some things. You know, he likes to talk to I think uh, maybe less is more here on these hostile areas. Biden can't even go with the hometown crowd that just wants to throw him softballs. The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer. Uh, I
5: mean, uh, oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes.
2: I'm open, I mean, nonsense. What, what in the world would he say under an extended cross? He's got the State of the Union coming up. They can script that and they all jump up and applaud. They're getting even wilder, though, as far as why Americans are not gaga over his economy. They're actually saying now, well, the economy is better than it was under Trump. Uh, Chris Hayes of uh, MSNBC, Dan, Chris Hayes has the uh, point of view. This is cut 14 why don't the polls reflect Biden's roaring economy? Just days after the networks called the
1: 2020 election for Joe Biden, there's a poll asking Democrats and Republicans how they felt about the economy going forward. And suddenly, in that red line, Republicans feel very pessimistic about the economy. Democrats start to feel better. This is before Joe Biden was even sworn into office. But if you stay with the graph for a second, one thing I want you to notice there. The drop by Republicans is way more than the gain in Democrats. You see that? Like, Republicans are way more partisan in their view of the economy than Democrats, even though both sides are pretty partisan. So Uh, that's one of the things going on. There's a chunk of the population that is never going to give pollsters a positive reaction to a Joe Biden or Democratic economy. But for other folks who might not be very partisan or political, there's just a lag There is a lag Ah, between when the economy starts to improve in the numbers and when people feel it, when they feel more secure. That lag is starting to go away. We're starting to see people catch up to reality. You could see it in consumer confidence numbers, which are improving.
2: Okay, here's the bottom line. These people just, it's all the macro stuff that they put out there. Let's just stipulate, just put it aside for a moment. Let's say there's any kind of modicum that that's true. It's they're being killed. They're being hurt by this guy with inflation, particularly people that are lower middle income or even lower than that. They're the ones being hurt. It's an obvious thing and it's not going away. How many times do we have to hear inflation's going down? I was just on the inside story. I didn't correct it with one person here that I respect and I didn't say, no, you can't just correct, butt in. It's the rate of inflation. So the bottom line is, that is hurting people. They're still feeling it. So how in the world are they supposed to be told that this is all good for them? They know it's not. They know it hasn't been for a long period of time. They know that Biden somehow or another, even if they don't know macroeconomics and how inflation's produced, they know this is not good and it was better under Trump. Now their argument is, no, it wasn't. These people don't know what they're talking about. So every day we see a slightly different twist on this. And now we're told, oh boy, come November, people are going to realize it and Republicans have no shot. Okay, I'm still a guy that thinks inflation is still the issue. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is the border. It gets more outrageous every second with all the spill off from the border. So maybe it is the border, ultimately. Uh, a couple of things over the weekend. Um, one, I usually like big hair, but oh god, it was Miley bearable. Cyrus last oh, night no. lost the plot line. Do I have to come she over and the should, plot line. Uh, show her how to do big hair? I don't know. You don't you don't put it quite up in the front like that. That one big part that she had. Yeah, it was shocking. It, it looked was like she not was, a, yeah. Looked like she was electrocuted or something. She's but
5: really she, trying to bring it back, though. It seems.
2: Well, uh, that's a noble effort. Do you support it?
5: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. When done right, you support it.
2: Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Had big hair too, kind of. Um, uh, Mariah Carey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were several that did. Yeah, but Miley's going like full like eighties rock star. Oh yeah, It's a little bit a little bit too much to put it mildly. Yeah. And what did you think of her outfits? Did you happen to see the outfits she was wearing yesterday? Yeah, nice, uh, yeah. It
5: Doesn't seem she's uh, familiar with underwear.
2: Yes, well in addition to that, the tattooing I don't think is the type of stuff she has going yeah. on. Not flattering there. So uh, Taylor Swift won the big award though. She's bigger than Paul Simon or Frank Sinatra as far as number of albums that won the Grammy. So
5: I suffered through the entire Grammys Dom and, yeah. and I, I couldn't stand it. And by the end of it, man, Maisie finally had her come come to, you know, come right. to Taylor moment almost. Where she's turning on the, the cringiness that is Taylor Swift. It seems every time that they showed a reaction, they had to go see what Taylor was doing. You know, they had to get the queen of the pops reaction. Yes. yes. And then at the end, when she wins the Album of the Year, spoiler alert, because nobody cares in our audience. Right. It's No one's going to go back and watch the Grammys. But she, she makes this whole, like, speech where she's playing coy like she's a 12-year-old girl. And Maisie's just like, come on, you're, you're a billionaire. You're one of the biggest, you know, sensations in pop right now. Don't act like you don't deserve this. Get up there, show some confidence. And even Maisie's now turning on the great Taylor
2: Oh, star. well, good. Well, we'll see what happens Sunday because Chris Wallace predicts if the Chiefs win, there will be a wedding proposal. I don't know if she'll propose to him or he'll propose to her. My God. I'll have more on that in Dan time if we... Okay. Yes. All right. And I have some uh, brunch stories left over from the weekend. Jeff Van Drew here at 230 today. Can't bring you anybody better inside this border deal, which is huge, is not going to pass the House. But what are the politics of it? Why is it so hard? Why are the elites in such a... Some of it is they're not trying to cover for Biden. They actually believe it. Can't you people see how good the economy is? Yeah. Tell us about inflation. Tell us what it's done to people and continues to do to them. Well, that's all going to go away. Even the Biden people don't say that. They know it's baked in for a good long period of time. So it doesn't matter. All the other metrics you use, if that's hurting people, that's what they recognize. They're running a strange program,
0: y'all. It's stand time. I can handle things up smart
5: with Dom that's right it's that time of the afternoon that producer Dan takes over the Dom Giordano program for some Dan time with Dom and I said before the break that I made myself watch the Grammys while well, Maisie, Maisie made me watch the Grammys they gave her the remote to watch uh, you know whatever she wanted Dom Uh, Taylor Swift taking the cake with the (laughs) album of the year, unsurprisingly, Uh, but a conspiracy now floating around, Dom, that uh, rapper Killer Mike, who was arrested at the Grammys, was arrested because, uh, allegedly speaking out against Biden's thoughts on the black community on Bill Maher's show, there's a whole conspiracy around it, any any thought into that, Dom, do you buy that at all?
2: No, he he allegedly punched somebody there, which is more like, I saw that interview with Maher, it was pretty good. And, you know, he wouldn't endorse Biden, and he did speak out more on that. Apparently, he got into it with somebody there and waffled them, and they allowed him to collect the uh, three various iterations of rap and then they arrested him.
5: Yes, they gave him yeah. his awards and they took him out in handcuffs. Though. Yeah, was, I thought uh, that was... Quite a scene. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I want to dispel those conservative conspiracy rumors that are out yeah. there that are saying that this is anything related to Biden. No, I think uh, something did happen back there that uh, you know, a misdemeanor was warranted. But, Dom, a lot around the uh, Super Bowl coming up in a week. Pro Bowl was yesterday. I don't know if you call any of that kind of uh, unremarkable anymore. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it yeah. is. You know, flag football. No, no thanks. Come on. Uh, but uh, a couple prop bets, Dom. Nothing around Taylor Swift and there's a reason for this. She's actually going in Japan the night before on a world tour. So there's a possibility that Taylor Swift doesn't show up at the Super Bowl at all.
2: No, she will. You think she's going to be there? 14 hours of flying. You go across the international date line and it's uh...
5: The, go back yes, in time a couple you, days. You do enough. go
2: back in time one day.
5: Um, so yeah. she is actually, there is one prop bet featuring her, and that's around the halftime show. Usher, he'll be performing at the halftime show. And if you want to bet that Taylor Slip picks up a microphone and performs with Usher, it's plus 550 odds on that one, Dom.
2: Yeah. That's pretty good. I think it's it should be higher. It should be 10,000. Some other fun
5: props, uh, national anthem props for Reba McIntyre. a length in seconds over under set at 90.5 seconds. Is that high or low for what I they think it's about at, average. I think around 90 average. seconds. Reba
2: McIntyre's... Okay.
5: Yeah. Um, whether she's going to omit any words from the anthem, yes, plus 900, no, minus 3,333. And is there any scoring drive that's shorter than the anthem? You can bet on that as well, Don. Uh, uh, no. No. Yeah. Um, King Charles, I don't know if you saw this, but he's uh, been yes. diagnosed with cancer. And it's going to be a public-facing uh, diagnosis and all uh, thoughts. Uh, really, really short. Short. Well, range, I know huh? he had
2: a prostate uh, situation, so I don't know that it's that serious. I mean, cancer's always serious. but uh, And I've seen on Fox and all over the place speculation then about that. Uh, he just Damn. got the throne, yeah. so there's no sense he will just stop his public duties such as they are. I don't think we're into succession or anything like that. And finally, Dom, I think I found a bear that you cannot outrun. Okay. That's one that
5: a Republican state congressman down in Florida, Jason Schof, is warning about. He's hoping that they lower the standards for shooting black bears because he says bears that are high on crack are breaking into people's homes and tearing them apart. Yes, just exactly that. He said he's talking about the bears that are on crack. They break down your door and they're standing in your living room, growling and tearing your house apart. Apparently, this is such a big problem. That uh, so Dom, can you? I know you can outrun a black bear that's not on crack, but one that is on crack, do you think you can outrun that? Well, one?
2: Absolutely. I'm still questioning the black bear not on crack about outrunning it. But <laughs> is this a remake of the film? Is this? It's hard to believe there are that many bears. How Cocaine are
5: they bear? Crack? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I, true. I don't think it's that actual real of thing. And then finally, one more thing, Dom. I just want to put this out there. Last night, starting uh, the final season, season twelve of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David wraps it up. I was listening to WIP. I think it was Glenn talking about it, giving his theory that this being the final season, he he doesn't think Larry's going to retire. He can't retire. Do you think there's uh, more for Seinfeld in the future once Larry? No, up I firm? don't think
2: they'll ever. They would be foolish to touch it. You, you can't think so? go you know, back. Like and, a, a yeah. huge
5: deal with Netflix to reboot Seinfeld. You don't you don't think that's coming down I mean, the line? That's
2: tricky stuff. You know what I mean? The, the references, comedy now and all that. Yeah, I, that's why classics probably shouldn't be rebooted. That's all I got yeah. for damn time today, Dom. All right, coming up, uh, Senator Mike Lee on this whole immigration thing, but the Ukraine bill, 60 billion. Which one is more? The budget for the U.S. Marines in 2023, that fiscal year, says Lee, or the money we're going to send to Ukraine just this in this bill, not the overall, but just in this bill. Which one is bigger and by how much? Jeff Andrew here at 230. Nobody's going to take you better inside this immigration bill than Jeff Andrew. And uh, are they somehow or another going to weasel that uh, money for Ukraine? Also, uh, do we have a freestanding bill for Israel? Jeff Andrew will break all that down. Dom
0: Giordano, weekdays, noon till 3. From Talk Radio 1210, WPHD.